0: Welcome to Behavior Babes Podcast, presented by me, Dr. Amanda Kelly. Applied Behavior Analysis is also an approach for treatment of ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and anxiety, as well as a treatment for autism, which is most commonly known. Today, I'd like to go ahead and highlight for you some similarities and differences between ABA for clients with autism from those who have ADHD or an anxiety diagnosis. Behavior is communication, and behavior happens for a reason. Um, Behavior analysts seek to find what that reason is, right? So we're looking at connections to the environment, what comes before, what comes after the antecedents and consequences to see what is maintaining the challenging behavior or what are the reasons the behavior is occurring. Behavior often occurs in patterns and when we systematically collect data and then visually display this data, which we are ethically obligated to do, then we can detect small changes or we are more able to detect changes uh, or develop visual analysis that are more sensitive to smaller changes so that we can make treatment decisions throughout the process. Behavior analyst and behavior analysis is based on the belief that behavior can be changed um, because not that we can control other people, but we can manipulate or adjust the variables in their environment. For example, what comes before and what comes after a behavior, at least in the traditional ABC sort of intervention. But some characteristics that are associated with anxiety that can prove extra challenging. Well, there tends to be the excessive and unrealistic worry about everyday tasks or events. And this could be specific to a certain object or ritual or it could be more generalized. For individuals who have anxiety, there tends to be a lower attendance at school and a higher rate of school refusal behavior or school avoidance behavior. Owens and colleagues in 2008 talked about an educational underachievement, and additional researchers in 2008 talked about poor peer relationships for individuals who were diagnosed with anxiety. Rosa et al in 2003 noted that there was an increased risk for further mental and physical health difficulties for students who were diagnosed with anxiety. Anxiety is very difficult because it's not something that we can always observe on the outside. Um, A behavior analyst who I used to work and collaborate with, who also is someone that I respect and read her books and go to her conferences at every chance I get, is Jessica Minahan. And in her presentation, she talks about taking two identical cans of carbonated drinks, so a soda and shaking one up really you know fast and furiously and then mixing the cans behind her back and then putting them in front and offering them to two audience members and the question is you know which soda do you want to open like who's going to open their soda and it depends you know like which auditorium the presentation is and whose floor it is and who gets selected which soda and if they have some other reason to believe that they're not going to get the one that's been shook, you know, um, you know, shook up. But the point is, is that they look identical on the outside, but inside there's one ready to combust. So when we think about individuals, when we think about students, when we think about children with anxiety. Um, it can be very difficult because we don't always see these overt characteristics. Individuals who are suffering from anxiety have a difficulty sequencing events together, following you know, multiple steps, recipes, uh, chaining events, and essentially poor executive functioning skills. Anxiety, when we all have heightened levels of anxiety, we tend to become more rigid thinkers and have inflexibility in our thinking. We find perspective-taking and theory of mind quite challenging the more anxious that we are feeling or the more preoccupied that we're feeling with an elevated emotional state. Anxiety isn't really about ability. It's about interference. So a lot of times people might say things like, well, he can do it, but he doesn't do it. Or he has the ability to, but he chooses not to. Again, anxiety isn't about ability. It's about interference, which means that our traditional rewards and consequences may not work with this group of learners. And that's something that Jessica Minahan talks in her books, uh, talks about in her book, The Behavior Code. So it requires us to shift our thinking. It requires a learner to shift their thinking. Instead of you need to learn how to, it's I need to teach you how to. Individuals who have a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, we find that that is now more than uh, 1 in 10, so 11% of U.S. school-age children have this diagnosis by a healthcare professional, um, as reported by the Center for Disease uh, Control in 2016. Parents of children with a history of ADHD report almost three times as many peer problems as those who do not have that history. And parents report that children with a history of ADHD are 10 times as likely to have difficulties interfering with social friendships. Um, Treatments for ADHD, while medications are often prescribed, the first line of treatment recommended is behavioral therapy, and so behavior analysis. Um, Some researchers, uh, Pelham and colleagues in 2016, Um, They supported uh, the statement that behavioral treatment is appropriate, is necessary, and is really the first line of defense, which was supported by the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, as well um, as their research, which was published in the Journal of Clinical Child and Adolescent Psychology. Students with ADHD may appear like they're daydreaming. They may seem forgetful or absent-minded. Uh, may talk too much or may talk really at what is seen as very socially inappropriate times. Sometimes children who have difficulty focusing um, and who have a diagnosis of ADHD uh, may make careless mistakes. The same is true when we are operating in a very anxious um, state, right, a state of arousal. So if you think about a time when you're kind of panicking, if you feel like you might get trapped in an elevator or you have a test that you didn't know about, um, you may kind of be preoccupied and make careless mistakes. Um, You know, if you're feeling down on yourself, if you're somebody who's feeling challenged by what seems like simple tasks, you may also encounter difficulty getting along with others. You may have this there may be this negative self-statement, this negative self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. So what's the solution? What do we do about this? How can behavior analysis help? Um, well, again, we want to talk about this in the term of ABCs, antecedent behavior and consequence. Antecedent, what comes before behavior, what's the observable measurable action we're seeking to change, and the consequence, what comes after that could have a maintaining uh you know, variable, it could be a maintaining variable um, for the behavior. So, when we think about antecedents, what activity was occurring? What are other students doing, doing at this time? And what time of day did the behavior occur? What was the noise level? What, was this a novel or a familiar task? And what were the adults or teachers doing when the behavior occurred? Who is leading the instruction? Was it a structured or opened-ended activity? All of these are some good questions to kind of consider when we're thinking about antecedents. So challenging behaviors, a lot of times we talk about behavior, again, observe and measure, but it's not just behaviors that we want to decrease like aggressions or self-injury. It's also behavior that interferes with the child's learning and the learning of others anything that does result in self-injury or injury to others, anything that causes damage to the physical environment, so property destruction, as well as socially isolating behaviors. So we're going to get at this by looking at ABC data collection, by trying to determine the function. So is it sensory, escape, attention, or tangible, as we previously discussed. Um, and then depending on what we find, we want to develop a behavior intervention plan. We want to develop some hypothesis statements. We want to develop some next steps, if you will. So we should prioritize the problem behaviors, uh, figure out how often they occur and when they're most likely and least likely to happen. If we can identify any triggers and any skills that might be lacking that need to be taught, There are often interventions in place, some of which may be effective or some components might be effective. So identify which successful interventions are in place. And then in addition, which ones have been unsuccessful? Not that we rule them out, but we just wanna know that they have been tried. What preventative measures are being tried as well? And what's the typical response to the behavior? Once we do all of that, we have some strategies for success, which involve developing relationships, being able to predict and prevent, start building in and teaching those missing skills. Provide clear expectations and follow through through with what you set. Um, You know, model interactively the expectations for your learners, for your students, but then hold them to those high standards. Keep your students' interest by maintaining their engagement and establishing and practicing routines. If you build in delays, you can help teach waiting. And if you can be consistent, you will teach that what you say matters, um, being reliable. When you're making a request, avoid asking questions. So instead of, are you done and where should that go? We can say things like, when you're done, do this this should go over here, or uh, do you want to put that here or here? It's still a question, but it's giving a choice of what's negotiable. Support students who have difficulty initiating or getting started with a task by breaking the task into smaller, more manageable steps. If you can anticipate, you can rehearse calming strategies for learners who might have high levels of anxiety or who might be impacted in that way, where they get kind of stuck. One strategy is known as cognitive distraction, so rather than just getting a drink of water or going to the bathroom, it's tell me three things that, that are yellow that you see from here to the office, or tell me two things you've noticed that have to do with photosynthesis um, by the, about the plants um, on your way from here to your locker. If we can teach awareness and self-management, we can teach learners to start to uh, uh, self-deliver what they need to calm and soothe. And we'll see this with certain behaviors that serve a sensory or automatic function, but we also can look at trying to identify some of those internal triggers um, for learners who can describe them and who can self-monitor and self-report Um, a lot of kind of topics to be covered in this area and a lot of new ground yet to be broken and unearthed, but applied behavior analysis can be very useful in taking a behavioral approach to ADHD and anxiety. And to learn more, just visit me at www.behaviorbabe.com.